Welcome everybody to the Rotating Tap Podcast. We've got Steve Vanderplue, Corey David, and special guests. Maybe beer people talking comedy or comedians talking beer. Listen up everybody and we'll see what you will hear. I won't waste any more time because it's going very fast. It's the Rotating Tap Podcast. Good. Awkward. Start. Hello. Welcome to the Rotating Tap Comedy Podcast. I'm Steve Vanderplu. I'm Corey David. And we are here at the brand new Wild Provisions Tap Room in Boulder, Colorado with Tommy and Andrew. Say hello. 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 So, so what do you guys actually do for Four Noses, Four Wild Provisions in a nutshell? Well, I'll just start. Uh, Four Noses and Wild Provisions are the same company, but run separately in certain sure. ways. Uh, my name is Tommy, and I'm uh, one of the founders of Four Noses. Uh, the brewmaster, although Andrew's doing all the brewing these days, or most of it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, at this point, I just kind of decide the direction of what beers we're releasing with input from everybody and do the boring business stuff on the back end. So not a lot of responsibility. Not much. Nice. Pretty easy. <laughs> do you just wonder what he does all day? Yeah, he tells like, me what to do most. He's coming up wild <laughs> ideas. They're not even founded at any information. They're just like, this sounds good. And he carries around a binder and the then he runs board. away. You have to have the clipboard. Oh yeah, that's the key. Yeah. Two clipboards. Makes you seem real official. Real if you legit. carry three, then you just look ridiculous, but it's fine. Yeah, but right. it also keeps people from stopping you on the street asking to sign petitions because they're like, oh, you're going to try and I don't want a trade petition signing. <laughs> They're not going to bother you. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Andrew, how about you? Uh, I'm Andrew. I am the head brewer at Four Noses, uh, head of operations, production operations. Yeah. So everything from, you know, grain to glass type stuff. Okay, very cool. And it awesome. seems like there's a lot of work to be done with all the adventurous projects that you guys have going on here in terms yeah. of developing new recipes and monitoring fermentation and just coming up with stuff that people want to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And as fun as that is, I want to get into <laughs> telling a joke. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, have... Before I forget, I think Wild, Wild Provisions sounds like a trading post in Westworld, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. I could see uh, Jimmy Simpson hanging out here for sure. Yeah. Just some, yeah. Like, do you guys have any hosts or robots that you use for beer tenders by chance? Oh, we're not allowed to say. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. Uh, Danny's a cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are actually just holograms. <laughs> it's not even real people we're dealing with. When he goes to chug this beer, it's just going to fall right through. Right. <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> Error. Yeah, so we, uh, this is a comedy podcast, so I'm glad I sprung it on you guys pretty last minute that you're going to be responsible for telling us a joke. <laughs> but in all fairness, everybody should just have like a stock joke to tell, even if it's not yours or if it doesn't even have to be great, right? I mean, I'm pretty much just good with dad jokes. A lot of dad That's jokes. Good. Not yeah. even good dad with them. Jokes. I guess I just know a couple. <laughs> I know yeah. a lot of good dad jokes. <laughs> They're pretty fun. I'm more yeah. of a pun guy. Like when it comes in, it's great, but it has to have context. I'm really bad at just like telling a joke from scratch. Oh, well, that sounds well, like we'll an improviser. It. We got an improviser on the mic. Yeah, over he here. likes to feel the room. Just get yeah. a sense of the audience. Yeah. Can I get five <laughs> suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> what did somebody do for work today? What type of car did your grandmother drive? <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to go first? Uh, what do you call an alligator in a vest? An investigator. Whoa! Oh, and we are rolling, baby! <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's good. Can you top that? I don't know if you can. Well, mine was a little longer, but I'll just go with it. That's anyway. good. 
All right, so you got a German, a French guy, and an Irish guy, and they all order a pint, and simultaneously, a fly lands in everybody's glass. I'm sure everybody's heard this one, but I'll tell it anyway. Uh, so the French guy pushes the glass and says, no, I will not drink this. German guy says, ah, fuck it. Pulls out the fly, chugs the beer. The Irish guy pulls the fly out of his glass, tips it on its side, and says, you spit it out. <laughs> nice racial stereotypes. <laughs> We're just getting into oh, a really good time. We're yeah. gonna get canceled in the first yeah, ten minutes it of the show. Eleven fifteen on a Tuesday morning. So. <laughs> We're gonna get it going. Now I know you guys were doing a little bit of a modified chug today because you are very busy. There's a billion things going on. So what beer are you gonna be chugging today? And so what, here's what we usually do. We do it for time. Um, since it's a little bit of a modified one, we're just going to roll with it. But Steve's going to start hitting the timer as soon as you touch the beer to your lips. Just tell us what it is first, and then you have to explain it to us afterward. All right, this is a Fruit Blender, smoothie-style sour ale with pineapple, orange, and lactose. Fair. Uh, just check it. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, Correct. just go for it. Right out of the I can. I can't see the out of the can, so I have no idea. <laughs> this is idea. good, yeah. There could, be the timing. No, there could be nothing in that, that okay. can. Okay, okay. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that was solid. From the can. That's a pretty good time. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't puncture a hole in it first, but <laughs> I did in the top. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's but, a top hole. Man, we were. I want to do a good old fashioned shotgun sooner rather than later. I mean, I'm not, you got a fruit blender right in front of you. I know, but we'll do it. I can do that. So tell us a little bit about the beer that you. Just we came had. here to ruin your brand new tap room. Yeah, this looks very nice. We're, we're trashing it. Yeah, I've been kicked out of nicer places. Than this. He's got a few cyborgs in the back. Of the <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the beer. Sure, this is a kettle sour, uh, fr- heavily fruited, uh, sort of smoothie style ale. Uh, so we use a lot of pineapple, a lot of orange, a little lactose for just that residual sweetness mm-hmm. uh, to kind of balance out that tart nature. So. Yeah, because you guys, it seems like you do um, a lot of like, what did you consider just like not even this wouldn't be a milkshake style, right? but like. A lot of lactose in mm-hmm. some of your IPAs and then sours. Like, is that something that you guys have been doing for a long time, or is that kind of a new fruition that you just kind of came to yeah. grips with? We've, we've been using lactose in our beers probably for a few years now, I think, or maybe really from the beginning, depending on the style. Uh, lactose just adds a little bit of that creaminess and a little residual sweetness that you don't get easily from normal process. Yeah. Do you guys ever have people like drink a beer and then complain that they didn't know lactose was in it? Like, lactose and tolerance? Is that a thing that? people do absolutely i mean we try and make it you know front and center on right. our can so you know that it's in there yeah uh, but you just get a bad review from the bathroom sometimes <laughs> <laughs> somebody's like i've been tricked <laughs> i've been duped what is this but i'm still here <laughs> somebody send a janitor i need another roll <laughs> i'm intolerant of two things lactose and wild provisions <laughs> <laughs> Well, to your point, lactose can add some flavor and mouthfeel that you normally can't get from um, some traditional brewing techniques. But isn't that a lot of like what a fooder can implement into a beer? Like some of that more like oaky or vanilla notes, maybe soften up the mouthfeel a little bit, which is what you guys are doing here at Wild Provisions. It sounds like you got a couple fooders in the back that you've been obviously aging some stuff on. Definitely. I mean, I think that the, the flavor or the mouthfeel component is still quite a bit different. Uh, and oftentimes with food or aging, you really get to the point where the beer does become quite dry. Uh, it does have mouthfeel components for other reasons, but uh, lactose is, you know, it's, it's something that we could add in the kettle. It's something that you add in the very beginning mm-hmm. and allows us to, to give kind of that creaminess and, and sweetness. But in a beer, that's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Uh, typically a food or aged beer would be quite a bit longer. Of course. Love so we're, we've been trying to like actually like limit it a little to mm-hmm. more like a series style too, like our velvet series. We, we try not to throw it in like everything we make. When we make a fun one-off or a wild one like this, 
uh, or when we do our, yeah, in the Velvet series, that's usually where we try to restrict it for the most part. Because yeah. not everyone can enjoy, you know, all those beers on tap if half of them have lactose in it. So mm-hmm. we, sure. we try to make it more approachable to, you know, everybody, anybody. Yeah, it seems like uh, fruit, like fruit puree style sours are obviously they've been popular, but they seem to increase in popularity. But would you guys consider this like kind of a like a like a smoothie sour that's like become more popular? Where it's literally to me a lot of times it just winds up being like straight up fruit puree that they fermented a little bit or up to ten percent and don't know <laughs> that they've done so, uh, and then they just quick sour it. So like, what are you guys doing with this that's a little different than some of the other people that are that are out there sure. doing it? Uh, I, I would say we'd consider it our version of a smoothie sour. Uh, we don't get to the point where the beer is viscous or, uh, you know, going to explode after two weeks in the can. Yeah, um, that's we, a bummer. Yeah. Well, I'm sure if you put it outside right now, it might explode. But uh, after two days. I mean, we've got, we've got an hour. We could do an experiment. <laughs> you might need a 22 to speed things up a I little bit. I have a bit, magnifying but. glass. So. <laughs> Sounds um, bright. That's Steve's vital contribution to the show. Is, I've been waiting... <laughs> I've been burning ants my whole life. Time to step it up to a can of beer. He saw a pile of ants out in the parking lot that he's itching yeah. to get to after we're <laughs> recording here. Maybe I should uh, take a step back. Don't know what you guys are going to do next. But, uh, so, you know, we do actually ferment a little of the fruit out during the process. Uh, we don't add all the fruit at the very end. Uh, so we let the Saccharomyces during fermentation go through some of that so that you don't have all the residual sugar mm-hmm. just sitting there waiting to explode. Cool. You ready to chug some beer? Am I doing this one then? Oh, never mind. You're not going to chug it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the one. This was the modification that we came up with. Final time, 59 minutes. That's what I'm <laughs> That's fair. So what would you, so you just do, 10 ounces? Yeah. About, about 10 ounces? What did you yeah. get for a time? Uh, five seconds. 5.68 seconds. All right. So we should add three seconds to the time. Yeah. Because you didn't do a full chug. That's fair. That's fair. That's as long fair. as you're okay with that. I don't care with it. Man, hey, he's not going to fight me on I this mean, at all. <laughs> still Where's the drama? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to well, you're giving me three seconds on a five-second half, so yeah, I think it's fair. It's yeah, it's three itself. seconds off if you do an 8% 16-ounce chug, so we can yeah. go the other way around. We understand you're busy. You've got stuff to do today. <laughs> it's busy day. morning, yeah. and it's Tuesday, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're all in this together. You guys just opened last weekend, right? Well, we had had a soft opening uh, several weeks ago. This was our grand opening because we finally rolled out the uh, the two loggers that were the other half of the component okay, uh, cool. of this project. Yeah, so what were you guys, obviously, like, um, seems like the part of the program here is uh, wild ale, sours, things that you're aging for some time. What was the decision-making process of bringing, like, Czech style lagers into the mix as that like dichotomy of like one or the other because it seems like you've branded it in such a way that it's you know we're doing Czech style lagers and we're doing wild ales. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found that uh, the two beers when produced traditionally had very similar processes uh, so even though the product is wildly different uh, you know we're going through a cool ship we're going through open top fermentation and then we're going through a horizontal maturation and they're all naturally carbonated as well so even though you know one's got a, a funky characteristic and some acidity and the other one's very clean and and a little more on the hoppy side Uh, and all those processes are done for different reasons they're still a very similar workflow and we thought it was a cool combination to bring together so you're cool shipping the loggers as well we are but uh, we're going into a cool ship in a HIPAA filtered uh, positive pressure room to separate out the cold break, uh, not necessarily to, and hopefully not, to inoculate it with any kind of wild right. nature bacteria. Yeah, it doesn't sound complicated at all. That's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, There's your segment that you said you guys don't usually go for. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, now let's go down this tech route. Uh, yeah. 
get you to say some more racist stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us how you feel about the checks. Anyway, uh, we so what what brought this on though? Like, because normally this is uh, obviously cool shipping and barrel aging is something that's very common in like in wild ales and in traditional like lambic culture. But with lagers, it's not something that it's usually pretty standard, right? Like you're just uh, fermenting at a cooler temperature, but it's usually something that. For a brewery, you're either like a lager brewery and they kind of go like full commit on that, or they just do one every once in a while, but because it ties up tank space and whatnot, they either don't do it very well or it's just kind of a second thought. So like why dive in on the lager specifically as opposed to what you were doing before? I think we found our passion kind of going off in that direction. We were very curious about lagers and the nuances in them, and that seemed like a more, I, I don't know, I think we just always chase what we're enjoying at that mm -hmm. particular time. and so. Check style lagers seem like the, the thing that we were really yeah. concerned. I think even over the last few years, we've been pushing yeah. ourselves into the lager world. Mm -hmm. um, like we've been developing our Pilsner, I think little by little over the last few years, and we've dove into like Keller style beers and yeah. uh, Vienna lagers, and we always have our Oktoberfest and stuff. So I mean, we've always been, and as beer beer makers, beer drinkers, we have always been into the lager scene. Let's. Yeah. To its core, I think you'll find you'll be hard pressed to find brewers that aren't lager fans. Right. Mm. To it, but I mean, you know, a lot of people when they sit down somewhere, they want something new, fresh, and exciting. What new hop do you have? What fruit did you put in this? And of course, there's both sides of that. We like getting weird and wacky too. But <laughs> I think Four Noses, even over the last few years, has been doing that kind of already, like moving that direction. And this is just a scaled version of it with like a more strict focus towards both sides of that. Spectrum. Yeah, because when you think about, I mean, just the two things that we just have, like, right in front of us. One seems to be, like, it's it's kooky, has a bunch of adjuncts in it. Everything about the brewing process seems to be, like, fairly modern, you know, in terms of, you know, it's developed in the past five to six years. And then you've got something else that's ultra-traditional, like, couldn't be more traditional. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's really clean <laughs> Czech-style <laughs> lager. So it's, it's, it's interesting to me that you guys ha are serving that, like, both different dichotomies of, of beer drinker. Um, but brewers always say that lagers are their favorite kind of beers to drink. Uh, what yep. is it about it for you guys that makes a lager more enjoyable than something else that you might be making? I think being on the production side of it, once you see what goes into making such a clean, consistent, and you know just reliable, predictable beer, and you can just have it over and over again, it, it really, you build an appreciation for the process as much as you are the ingredients and the, the craftsmanship involved in developing the beer. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it's got a, there's a lot to it that kind of maybe doesn't go seen by the general public that what goes into these, you can't hide anything in a, in a clean lager. Sure. So it, it, the process is really nice, on my, in my opinion anyway, like that's the part that gets me. Yeah. And I'd also say, I mean, you know, we've been in the industry for a little while and it's gone through phases, right? Initially it was how bitter can you make a beer and now it's how low bitterness or, you know, how, I guess, sweet can you make an IPA instead uh, to certain degrees. And right. IPAs uh, have gone through like yeah. 50 different iterations. <laughs> totally. like black IPA session, yeah. IPAs, low cal IPAs, I, hazy IPAs, like it's all over the map. Yeah. People are just at a certain point, they're like, all right, we're putting X amount of hops in this beer, whether it's for bittering or aroma, mm -hmm. and we're just going to call it an IPA, right. no matter what it actually turns out <laughs> <Right>. to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's gone through. It's nice to just step back and enjoy something that's, that's very balanced, very clean, and traditional, simple. Yeah. Uh, while there are a lot of nuances that we've started to learn about it and, and realize in the process and a lot about the recipe design and all that, um, you know, at the end of the day, we try and make lagers that are, that are pretty clean and simple uh, and just really crushable. And yeah. <laughs> you've been I mean, working in the brew deck or 
sitting behind a desk and doing accounting stuff all day. Totally. It's nice to just have something clean. Well, this guy on the can, it says unfiltered, unpasteurized, naturally carbonated. So this baby is about as raw as you can get. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the premium pale Czech style lager that we've got in front of us right now. It's one of the beers you guys just released on Saturday, right? It's part of your grand opening. So other than what you'd mentioned already about your lager process and what, anything specific about this beer that you'd like to mention? That's Because you have two different lager offerings and cans right now that you were offering on Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want, if you want to tell us what the other one is, and then just compare the two. Sure. Uh, so the other one is a Czech dark lager. Uh, this one in particular that you have in front of you is really bright. I mean, I like to go back to the part that is unpasteurized, unfiltered, yeah, uh, unfined. There's nothing to add to that clarity other than the process of, you know, the cool ship and the cold break. Uh, the open fermentation and then just extensive time it's delicious thank you <laughs> we're pretty excited <laughs> like about more it. than anything it's like it's really great and it's also you know it's like really assertively hoppy but it really balances everything out and sometimes the hoppiness in that beer kind of strikes me more as just abundant carbonation even sure. though the carbonation level is pretty low uh, we use soft water in a triple decoction mash uh, and uh, you know this beer was a, a little bit of a learning thing for us too because as we were sitting in the lagering tank for 40 you know 40 plus days uh, we were tasting this every three to four days and really seeing the development. Now, it started off tasting good. I, I think when it was in that lagering tank, after two weeks of fermentation, it was tasty. Mm -hmm. And then after a week, it was better. And then after two weeks, it was much better. And after three weeks, it was incredible. And it just kept on improving. And the different flavor profiles and things that we saw modify over extended periods of time, where usually I thought, you know, 30 days or 40 days in a lagering tank is more to, you know, go back to, to traditional methods before you had filtering methods. And if you have filtering methods, like we have a centrifuge of four noses, then that extensive lagering time is not really all that important. Uh, sure. But this process definitely showed us that there is a value to it. Uh, and that value is really just yeah. flavor, balance, everything. It does really help though when it starts off good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's a plus. Like, oh, this is terrible. Give it four weeks. <laughs> yeah, something you don't see as often are lighter lagers that are being fooder or barrel aged. That mm -hmm. you know, just because it's I don't think it's a process that a lot of people know much about, or don't have a lot of experience with. But I love how it just can round out just a crisp beer, give it some soft, delicate touch, and uh, really bring out some other flavors you wouldn't normally have accustomed to a lager. Because I mean, I love the like the raw grain flavor you get from this just kind of like corn not a corn husk but just kind of like grain husk that know, just seems like with the being unpasteurized and being unfiltered just kind of gives it that raw kind of flavor and aroma that yeah. i think tastes great yeah so Ooh, <laughs> out of curiosity how much of so you guys are lager people you mm -hmm. like lagers you love lagers how much of what you're making with the smoothie style sours is stuff that you really like versus stuff that you just know people is going to buy I mean, I think that it comes down to, you know, a different mood and a different mindset on when you want to drink it. Uh, you know, when it's really, really hot out there and then going through this beer, it's a little acidic, it's mm -hmm. a little fruity, uh, or it's very fruity, but a little acidic. Um, if it's really, really hot out, and I mean, like, not, you know, sit on your porch barbecuing, it's pretty nice out, you're wearing shorts, not that. I mean, like, it's unbearable to be outside. Last week, impressively yes. hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why I do gravitate a lot towards some of these, like, tart, light uh you know smoothie style beers just because i think it reminds me of being at a beach or something like that um uh, whereas the lagers are really an every day that's what i want to crush uh yeah. so um and, and we do make you know quite a bit of different beers and we've experimented with a lot of different ingredients and there are definitely some that i like to have one or two of uh when we come out with them they're pretty fun and they're pretty fun sometimes with different meals or 
whatever the case may be. But um, yeah, we definitely find ourselves gravitating, in my opinion, at least towards volume-wise drinking lagers, but everything else has a place. We wouldn't make something if we didn't want to at least drink it I'm, during a certain mood or time. I'm about to try the fruit blender. I haven't tasted it yet, but I got to say that I love the label so much. <laughs> it is a little orange and a pineapple, and they are terrified. <laughs> they are going through some stuff right now. It's a little horrific, um, but in a cute way. Have you guys seen, yeah. have you guys seen Better Off Dead? Have you guys seen have you seen Better Off Dead, the John Cusack movie from like the 80s? No. Oh, man, then the reference goes over everybody's head. Yeah, it's it's, spit it out anyways. Yeah, there's a scene where there's like steak cut french fries and they're like dancing around and jumping into the hot oil <laughs> like, like a swimming pool. And it's just, it's great. Good times. I'm glad you brought it up. Who did the label art for you guys? Do you have do you guys use local artists for different projects that you're working on, or is it all internal marketing department? So actually, my brother does a lot of the label design and drawings. Uh, he actually designed this space too. Oh, wow. uh, so he he's an architect uh, in Oakland, and so yeah, he did the design here, and uh, he also just draws a lot. He did the this label design. He does a lot of these. He he typically does a lot of the drawings, and we'll have somebody in house kind of put together the graphics. Uh, so he'll do the sketches, and they'll assemble it but yeah he's talented he's fun to work with that's fun that's cool yeah it's nice to be able to kind of keep it in-house like that yeah Definitely. that's nice to have family that's talented yeah you know? it skips a my you know. sister's a nurse like who cares <laughs> <laughs> and my brother's an accountant he just does people's taxes and he actually busts businesses for not doing theirs yeah. he's ever he's the guy everybody hates. <laughs> love him to death but damn i'm glad he doesn't audit me he did give us a five-star review so way to go yeah <laughs> did not at this podcast because we haven't paid taxes so one of the things that, like, we talked a little bit about what you guys do like to drink. What are some beer styles that you just can't stand? Like, what are the things that you just don't like? And don't say there's a time and place for everything, because there's no place for winter warmers in my life. Like, for the rest of my life, I think I can go without a cinnamon nutmeg beer. Or I don't really <laughs> like ambers. Like, ambers are a thing of the 80s, and they just fell out of fashion. So I don't know if there's anything yeah. in particular you guys just can't stand. Red ales. Reds. You don't like reds. Whoa. No. It's an amber. It's just another name for another, for like a maltier amber. Yeah. <laughs> the first, one of the first reds I ever had was a home brew. Uh, somebody that I didn't really know very well. It was bad. Yeah. It was undrinkably bad. I and mean, you had to stand there and like be nice and pretend to drink the whole thing. Professionally That's when done your timing chug comes into, uh, you know, reality just drink it as fast as you can that was great i gotta go i'm sorry <laughs> yeah return unfortunately to- i was stuck there with my girlfriend who at the time her well her name still probably is my girlfriend at the time though her name was amber <laughs> her name used so to be red alert. <laughs> she changed she probably changed it good for her yeah because she wanted to get away from you she changed it, it sounds like a long to, story <laughs> she changed her name to lager actually so. so what is it you don't like about red ales specifically sure. i just think that Based on the style, they're always inherently out of balance. They're always too sweet, too malty, and have a funny flavor that I just can't put my finger on. But yeah. you don't like a good malt bomb, a good caramel malt bomb? Eh, not not particularly. But if I would, I'd rather have a little bit of that roastiness, like a brown ale. Like I think there's a couple of really good Colorado brown ales that, you know, I, I do enjoy from time to time. That would, I just think the red ale is kind of like right in between the two. Why, why go for red ale when you can get a brown ale, or go for something lighter? I yeah, don't, I'd take an amber over a red ale any day. Anybody that has like an <laughs> Irish themed kind of brewery, I think it's pigeonholed into like making a red ale and they don't even really want to do it. It's just like <laughs> if you opened the brewery like over the age of 60 and you're like, we just want to make beers that nobody likes to drink anymore except our 60 year old friends. <laughs> I think Guinness falls out of that. 
I don't think well, they just do like the one thing really well. Right. Yeah. They don't make any reds though. They're, although they probably will soon. Just I think the they have at some. They point had a time. blonde. They had a yeah. blonde for a while. And they have an IPA now too. They have an IPA now. That thing yeah. is so gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried it. <laughs> remember, speaking of like IPA fads, remember when everybody was doing the Nitro IPA like eight years ago? Yeah. Most of them were garbage. I don't. I just don't like nitro anything. What? I don't like. Yeah. Not I a love coffee. a good nitro. Do you, I, I, I like nitro. Feel, yeah. yeah. I lived in uh, Ireland for six months. I could drink Guinness, Beamish, yeah, Murphy's, all that stuff all day long. Yeah, absolutely. But IPAs are tough because, I mean, the nitrogen does a little bit to the aroma and flavor that I don't agree with. But. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think part of the appeal of an IPA is it's bright and vibrant. Right. And even with something like a German style beer that is using like toned down hops, at least in American, compared to American or New Zealand standards or whatever, a little more peppery, a little more spicy. But when you put it on nitro, it's just like, all right, we're going to mute everything <laughs> that we just put into this beer. And it's good for the malt flavor and, and obviously the mouthfeel, but. Yeah. I, I think that's where I like nitro the most is when it's done right with some kind of like big, like not even a big stout, but just some kind of like darker beers with uh, like some kind of spite. Like our, we do a cinnamon stout mm-hmm. that I I can drink that any day. I can drink it like in the dead heat summer. Like I I love that beer. Yeah. But I think those pair well. But yeah, there's something about an awkward mashup between a, yeah a nitro and IPA. It's just like a two friends that weren't meant to hang out kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, like Corey and Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it, 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 it me. Uh, <laughs> we're here. I got to say, I'm drinking the fruit blender now, and it is delicious. Uh, and I typically am not a fan of sours, and it's like just sour enough where it's not too much. Like a lot of sours can be like overbearingly sour. This is like perfect. It's right on the nose of like, would you say four noses? I would say it's on. It's right on one of oh, the four man. noses. Dad <laughs> jokes. We're on it. <laughs> Investigator. Uh, I think for me, I think for me, like a lot of sours too, like in that style realm, there they can get to the point where you can like feel the grit in your teeth almost. It like yeah. dries you out, and like, you 100%. feel the like the acid eat in your teeth. No, this is smooth as hell. Yeah. Well, I love the, the fact that everything. One thing you guys do very well is it keeps you keep everything in balance, but the flavors are still uh, impactful. I would say you know it's like you're not dumbing anything down but the reason I kind of hate on the style in general uh, is just because it seems like a lot of people are just putting straight fruit puree into a can and then fermenting it but this is like the right amount of pucker it's the right amount of sweetness I feel like one time if you either get one or the other a lot of times so depending on who you get it from it's like it's either super sweet and not enough sour or they just don't know how to handle their bacteria strains or whatever and it just becomes like way too much yeah um, so, sure. yeah I love the way that this turned out it's yeah, the process, like the process in this one was fun, too, because I think, I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like Tommy almost had, like, a tiki cocktail the day before and said, hey, guys, let's make a tiki <laughs> <I> beer. <do. laughs> <laughs> and then it was actually um, our production staff. We had just a little round table and uh, decided that we what, what direction we wanted to go with this. So there's a lot of people involved in making this mm. beer on staff, which that's is really cool. That's awesome. That's really nice. So, Andrew, how about you? What's, like, a style that you just don't really, you just do not vibe uh, with? I, I've always thought that, like, barley wines are work more than they are enjoyment for me. <laughs> you're just, like, forcing your way through them? Yeah. The first couple of sips, you're like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And then, like, about, you know, quarter way through the glass, I'm like, oh, man, okay. 
Like, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> if you have one that's else. too old, like, it's, I mean, obviously you can age a lot of different things, but barley wine just turns into, like, straight soy sauce. Sure. Eventually. That's when it starts getting good. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Sometimes it, yeah, sometimes they just Dip your sushi in it. Yeah, so say you can pour it on some sweet <laughs> sour <laughs> chicken. Fried rice. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your guys, like... What would, I, what would you say is like your guilty pleasure of for breweries? You know, it, somebody that you might have, um, you've started drinking, when you first started drinking craft beer, and then you've still like kind of carried it throughout. You know, or it could be a domestic lager that's, because like for me, I'm a Guilty I'm a, pleasure, oh, Guinness, I don't mind. Guinness Because you mentioned yeah. that you were from, uh, you lived in Ireland for a little while, which mm. is what made me kind of think of it. So is there is there something like that for you guys? Because like I hate yingling first and foremost can't stand the stuff because uh, everybody loves it so fuck yingling and then after I, I love labat i'm a big labat blue guy so that's kind of like my go-to trash beer my, i mean i've got a, a thing but it has to be in the bottle but uh high life out of the bottle uh, is my hell yeah. Oh, yeah or the yeah, pony we, bottles those things are great yeah, yeah. we call yeah. them there's a comic who's like a tiny dude that always drinks those and like his hands make it look like a full-size beer <laughs> it's called an ej yeah. Evan Johnson. <laughs> That's going to be just a recurring theme on this podcast. We talked about that last week, too. That's yeah, just keep funny. rubbing it in his face. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> so do you have uh, do you have a Moon High Life Girl tattoo somewhere on your body? I probably should. <laughs> you don't at this point? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think that's timeless. I think you could literally show yeah. that to anybody, no matter how into craft or not you into craft you are. never regret that. <laughs> yeah. Never people, once. No, I don't think My so. My wife would not be Just bummed. right on the forearm. <laughs> Meet an old Some sailor dude. Put it on your face. Yeah. Tyson. <laughs> side of your neck you know an old sailor guy like, like she's sitting on my mustache <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now we're talking yes <laughs> tell me how about you uh yeah i'd probably go back to like beamish or, or guinness yeah. i just for a long time i could always yeah, sometimes you get them they're pretty stale they're pretty hard to drink but when you get them fresh and they're delicious yeah and you could have like 12 of them and yeah, uh, checking dates on bottles and cans these days has become even more important. I have, I, even though bars are starting to reopen, I will, I, I just can't drink anything on tap right now. Nobody's buying kegs. Yeah, I, I know. I, you I guys probably sell a few kegs, yeah. right? It's starting to pick back up. I mean, we're doing it very cautiously uh, because we want everything to go out this round, and I think there's always that looming concern about a second shutdown. Absolutely. So yeah. we're we're being really really cautious on how many kegs we fill. That's good. Yeah. And cans, you know, selling cans. Yeah, exactly. I think we were one of the lucky handfuls too that were able to switch so much inventory just over to canned beer. Also, yeah. I mean, you guys were canning before though, which is very helpful. Like a lot of breweries are just now canning. They have to. They're, you know, when I remember it was uh, last year when grocery stores opened and everybody's like, oh, this is gonna fuck all the canning up for everybody when they could sell beer, and now it's like, yeah, nobody's buying kegs. I guess we all got a can now. That's just the way. Which is good for you guys for being ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, you guys didn't have to pivot. Like I, time. I'm sorry, I got three hours of sleep last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for your great point. Getting a little tipsy. That's okay. Uh, so, what's well, the deal with cans, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Aluminum. So, what inspired this space? So, the space is brand new. You guys had your grand opening on Saturday, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what actually was it? Just a, a, a means of giving you guys an opportunity to try something new because you're doing something different here than you can do at the Four Noses space, or you know, what brought this on really, and and what was the motivation for the design, and just give us a li- little bit of a rundown on all that. Yeah. I mean, as far as the styles are concerned, the the type of process we wanted to do here and the beers we wanted to make here, 
they're very specialized. They require specialized equipment, dedicated yeah, space, really all that taps. stuff. Yeah. 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 And those taps are, you know, they're very purposeful as well, but, um, you know, more so with the fooders and the cool ship room and, uh, the HEPA filtered room and then the lagering tanks back there, this would be very difficult to accomplish at four noses. Uh, and then the design of the space is really meant to showcase like a lot of the oak that we're using in the back. So whether it's the fooders or the upright tanks, upright, uh, open top fermenters, whatever the case may be, uh, oak is really prominent here. And the kind of curved look is meant to mimic to an extent, uh, those fooders. Did you guys have to change the, like the table setup? For COVID, where you oh, yeah. was it planned differently than this? Definitely. I mean, these two light, like the lights, are all meant to uh, to sit over the middle of the table, and that whole area over there was intended to be a lounge. Oh um, yeah, yeah. You know, and we're not using, you know, we're not really allowing yeah. anybody to sit at the bar. I mean, it's still a really nice space, regardless. But yeah, I could see it being even better with a, like a lounge over there. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. And then luckily though, the good news is our patio, uh, you know, was actually intended to be really small because of certain restrictions in Boulder. But with this, it allowed us to expand it. And now it's you know, about 10 times the size of what it would have been. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, these guys uh, make amazing beer. They've been really awesome since we've been here. But they're uh, not the best. They're not the best. Uh, according, according to some to of the your... internet. <laughs> <laughs> according to some of your guys' shitty reviews. It's all Casey. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a guy named Inkin Purvis here. I don't know if you know Inkin. <laughs> Man, and what a what an unfortunate name. Yeah, what a piece of shit this guy is. <laughs> it seems like a, a gender neutral name, so I don't really know. Uh, I don't think anybody should actually it be named like Inkin. Shitty tattoo artist, Inkin yeah. Purvis. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things we love to do, uh, just because it's cathartic for the brewers a lot of times, is just to hear why you guys suck because we think that you're great. <laughs> and you guys have a great rating on Google. It's 4.7 stars, so you should be pretty proud of that. Uh, and I know you have a great reputation around the greater state of Colorado, but not to some people. Uh, so if, are you comfortable touching my tablet? Please, read us what Ink is said. It was not, I promise. Uh, so do me a favor, read a, read a little review from our boy or girl, Ink and Purvis, and tell us how many stars it is. Huh. Three stars from Inkin. Good beer, nice venue, good food truck, terrible music. How many ICP stars? Three stars. Three stars. Three stars. So. Insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> Danny selects our music. Yeah, so why do you guys play nothing but shitty music? Well, because we want, you know, Incus to come back. <laughs> you gotta keep trying. Do you guys have like a regular radio station? Just like Black Keys radio that you just kind of keep on all the time? I, really I, I think they kind of just... I mean, it sort of depends on who's bartending. There's a few stations that we, you know, are we have kind of listed, and whoever's bartending kind of picks it. Just pop punk covers of other music. Just <laughs> it's nothing but poorly done covers. Well, we just played, you Could know, be. Justin Bieber station like on repeat Please. every day, all day. That's Who doesn't great. like Biebs? If you just had Lady Gaga yeah. on repeat too, I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be more, more okay with that. I'm more of a T Swift crowd myself. Just me personally. There's room crowd. for both in this Over world. KP, come on. How about it's Britney, bitch? We could put her on. <laughs> I saw Katy Perry at Warp Tour one year. Uh, yeah, and she played Warp. Okay. Did nobody. you enjoy it? <laughs> no. Was it good? No. 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 It was yeah. So I, so what kind of music do you, like on a brew day? Like what kind of music are you guys playing? That Incan fucking hates so much. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, you just put your headphones in and you guys got it blasting over the speakers and you're just, like, oh. brewing up some beer. You know what it is, is that I think that it's, uh, his, his real name is probably Lincoln 
Purvis. He's a big Lincoln Park fan. Yeah, Lincoln Park. Any time he goes anywhere that doesn't play Lincoln Park all the time, he writes a negative <laughs> review. I mean, I would be. <laughs> Well, yeah, what kind of music do you guys like to listen to when you're on a brew day or something? I think it kind of depends on who's on the deck at that time. It's I mean, different, I, I've it's heard different every two hours, yeah. like okay. pretty drastically, yeah. Whoever yeah. gets control of the radio as the day goes. Once one person's album stops or playlist or song stops and someone gets an opportunity to jump in, it seems like it changes. I've heard everything from NSYNC and you know, Backstreet Boys to Britney Spears to like, like cool, Bob, mellow jazz Bob Marley to heavy metal. <laughs> sure. There is a little bit of everything, I don't know. <laughs> But what's that's the same with the tap rooms playing. That I don't. That I don't know where they're at. Yeah. But <laughs> so, what's your guys' personal preference? If it's all over the map, like when you throw it, when you put a playlist on, what are you playing? Oh man. Lincoln Park. <laughs> Tech Nine. Jay Z, but only the Jay Z with Lincoln Park mashed in. <laughs> I don't know. I like something kind of like rock and roll, something a little punky that just gets my feet moving. I guess. Like just get through the zone. The <laughs> yeah, I'm dancing all day. <laughs> Real big fish covering newfound glory. <laughs> I don't know. Like I can't listen to anything too slow because then I'm just not in the mode. But I used to do like ACDC and some other classic rock and stuff like that on on the Brudeck just because it kept you awake and active. Totally. But yeah. yeah. So you guys are just trying to get amped the fuck up on a Brudeck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's pretty early in the morning and you haven't quite had your coffee yet and the sun's not up and you're like, all right. I need to get in gear, otherwise I'm going to make a mistake. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the ones that I put on the most, I think I started to like to like cater the the Pandora profile like to the front of house a little bit because I would keep putting on like uh, against me Menzingers, uh, some other like sure. heavier like kind of like I don't know pop like punk, yeah. punk. Yeah. punk. I, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even know you'd call that. I don't genre. even say pop. pop well, against pop. me it was a little bit more punk. Menzingers is kind of like emo-y punk though. And there's like uh, a pup I played a lot. A lot of people were asking about oh, them when I was playing Wait, with them. Oh, that was the last concert yeah, we saw before yeah, everything yeah. fucking shut it down. Was, it was just, it was like two nights before it all got shut down. Yeah, the yeah, Gothic? Yeah. Or wasn't it the one was downtown? It Ogden? It was Ogden. The Ogden, yeah. yeah. Ogden, yeah. yeah I must have been, I'm pretty positive I was doing Yeah, big pup <laughs> That was a fun show. Yeah. That was good <laughs> stuff. Man, what life used to be like. Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember I concerts. Remember <laughs> I remember fun times. Yeah. So do you guys have like a favorite, uh, like what's the most memorable show that you can even think uh, that you were at, you know, favorite concert and where was it? Favorite concert was at Ratio. Uh, Andrew and Casey did a duet of uh, <laughs> Weezer and it was spectacular. Yeah, so. You did? It was the karaoke night. The oh, okay. Karaoke well, that's still pretty good. <laughs> but it was a live band one. So yeah, we pretty much played a show. Oh, punk rock karaoke? <laughs> Was it punk rock karaoke? No, they, they kind of did everything. Did, yeah, they did some, like, yeah, 90s, like, easy rock type stuff, all the way to, like, punk and, like, I think someone did do Linkin Park, didn't they? Or, or something in that it realm. It was me. It's not a good night to somebody does Linkin Park on karaoke. <laughs> Art is interpretive. I'll yeah. give you that. <laughs> so, wait, are you big karaoke heads? No. No, that was no. only the second time I've ever done it. Oh, man, a yeah. star, and a star was born. I think I was, like, yeah, I think I had, like, five or 12 beers leading up to that moment just to kill the nerves. Yeah. You should try stand-up. Oh, I could imagine that. So was, that your, was your own performance also your favorite concert? It might have been. <laughs> no. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. I think probably actually the most memorable, I think, was I was 16 and went to Motley Crue. Hell yeah. And it was man. just like being in the front and turning around and getting to see all the craziness behind you. Yeah. It's also uh, your first pair of boobs. A lot, <laughs> lot of boobs. <laughs> and uh, Tom, 
like people were just like passing around anything and everything in the crowd. It was yeah, those were those were different times. Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Wild. But that's one I'll, I won't forget. Yeah, that was a crazy night. Um, I've seen a lot of weird shows. I've seen like I've seen Avril Lavigne. I've seen the Jonas Brothers. I've seen a lot of weird stuff. But I don't think you could ever pay me enough to go see Motley Crue. Granted, like they're yeah, no. they're old now. They're old as shit now. This is like their second farewell tour or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could have talked to me into it ten years ago. Are you kidding me? You know, I also went to a high school with a kid that thought he was Nikki Six, and just him thinking that he was Nikki Six was enough for me to just be like. Nope, not into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely like my favorite bands that I've seen that are like going to be in my top favorite shows, but that's one that's just like cemented, like the imagery yeah. is just cemented in oh, my yeah. head. Yeah. There's so such much a stimuli. There's such <laughs> a theatric band. Like they had a full like Iron Maiden was the same way too. When I saw them, like they had like a 30 foot Eddie like inflatable like on the stage and everything. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I got another negative review I'd like to read. We got more. Uh, <laughs> nice try getting out of this one. <laughs> Uh, this one is from Kenny Babcock, local guide. Two years ago, too busy, rude bartender, stepped on a dog. One star. <laughs> <laughs> one star. Wait, who stepped on the dog? I, he stepped on the dog? That's, you know, it sounds like he stepped on a dog and they're blaming us. Yes, it does sound like he's like, there's a dog and I stepped on it. One. I was so upset that I stepped on a dog. <laughs> this bar. <laughs> This dog was bartending and it was very rude, so I stepped on him. Uh, so what's your? So you guys just let people step on dogs in your establishment? We probably kicked him out for stepping on a dog, and that's why we got a negative. Yeah. Okay, quit stepping. It's like the old Adam Sandler. You stepped on my dog and I kicked you out. So what you guys can't see is that it says too busy, period, rude bartender, period, stepped on dog, period. This guy was very direct about his complaint, didn't want to fluff it up with anything about like the theatrics of the whole deal, just straight to the point. Uh, Kenny Babcock. Stepped on a dog. What can, and I got, I mean, I got a lot of questions. What breed was the dog? Was it inside or outside? Was it malicious? Was it a bad step? What kind was it of a stomp? Yeah, was yeah. it a bad dog? <laughs> Trick question. There's no such thing. It's only good All dogs. All dogs are bastards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. I got to see this one, I thought. Oh, this one will make you feel good. Um, why don't you read this one from Kirk. Tell us how many stars it is. Oh, boy. And uh, just tell us a little bit about what he thinks of your beer. Kirk, one star. So far, the worst beer I have had in Colorado. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a flight and had trouble finishing most of them. The people working were decent enough. <laughs> decent enough. <laughs> He's just bitter as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Someone shit in his oatmeal. I cannot, speak, I cannot speak to their food if they have any. We don't. <laughs> but I'm going to bring it up anyway. <laughs> I hated this place so much, I didn't even pay attention to what was on the menu. This one is really the end dramatic. <laughs> Nothing good about this place could outweigh the not good in any way beer. <laughs> So, uh, how does it feel to be this guy's worst brewery in Colorado? Well, Pretty you know, good. Yeah, everyone's Pretty got, good. <laughs> everyone's got to have a critic. Uh, <laughs> well, we know for a fact that you guys uh, aren't the worst brewery in Colorado because there's a lot of other people that really enjoy it. But to me, that's like, at what point... 
what standards does this person have, and what beer do they think is actually good? I would want, I would want to know who the fuck. I think they were probably looking for a red ale, and we yeah. just yeah. didn't have one. This guy loves Guinness IPA. <laughs> I mean, if you don't piss off at least some people, then you're just not doing enough. Yeah. I feel like he probably doesn't even, he's probably like drinking Mad Dog 2020 in a parking lot. And he's like, I'm going to try this brewery <laughs> for no reason. And you guys don't have Mad Dog 2020 yeah, on he's just, Yeah. He's just mad that he didn't come, any, anything didn't come with like a 40 format. I bet the thing he left off of this review is that he got divorced this morning. He was <laughs> upset about a lot of things. I love when people come in and I'll hear from a couple of the bartenders just saying, he's like, yeah, that guy just ordered a gin and tonic. Well, don't have that. He's like, well, what about a Chardonnay? Oof. So do you know where <laughs> Sorry, you man. Are, do you know where you are? I don't think you get it, and they just kind of walk out. So how much, like, while we're just kind of like, just talking about it in general, like, how much do you guys actually pay attention to, like, I mean, obviously, like, front of the house pays a little bit more attention to Google reviews, but how much do you guys even give a shit about, like, untapped and beer reviews and things like that? I wish I cared less. <laughs> oh, so you follow it. Do you check yeah, it out? I, I pay attention. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's an unneeded validation, but at the same time, I like to know what people think. When we make something, yeah. we make it for us, but we want to know that they like it too. I mean, you know what? Go. We should have you go on to some comedians' YouTube channels, <laughs> and then you can retaliate and let it all out. <laughs> I'll send you some links, and whatever you're feeling, you can just let them have it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> you got another review? Oh, yeah, I do. I have, a, uh, I have another one to read to you. Uh, this one is from TJ Colo. Two years ago. They have really great beer and selection, though they lack common courtesy. Never a simple thank you. No tips for that, kids. <laughs> That's like all it took, by the way, to get zero tips. Zero when somebody tips. forgot to say thank you. The waiter <laughs> forgot to say thank you. When he was giving them something? Yeah. I guess it's like, so. thank you for ordering this beer. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Uh, they seem, he's not saying that it's true, he's saying they seem like they are entitled. This is all strictly opinion. <laughs> there are more breweries that are thankful for my dollars. These <laughs> folks aren't. Fucking who? Bring back the original porter and I will buy many crowlers. Yeah, so why'd you do this? This is all one review. This is all one review. Bring back the original. Oh, this guy was drunk as hell while he typed this out. Let me finish this. There's weird spaces and weird uh, sentence breaks in different places. You can take a peek at it. And I will buy many crowlers. Three stars. Yeah, three stars. Oh, that was three stars, though. Yeah, three stars. Oh, not bad. Right. Pretty good. I'm <laughs> never coming back unless I come back. For Porter. Bring, yeah, bring back the red ale. So, yeah, tell us why you stopped brewing Porter for TC Kahlo. And because if you bring it back, you will buy, I quote, and I will buy many capital G growlers. growlers. <laughs> well, we didn't know. Guys, I'm sorry. Let's get it on the schedule. You yeah, got a guy. You got a we guy. We haven't brewed Porter in five years. To buy Maybe a, six. This review was from two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so is a style like that, I mean, is it, what styles actually like kind of phase in and phase out for you guys? Like what's something that you really loved? that you wish was more successful that like you know that you brewed at one point you're like man i thought this was gonna take off but it just didn't uh we made a right and i know this is gonna almost sound like an amber and maybe even a little like a red ale but we made a right esb that i loved and we did it a lot on uh, casca it was delicious i liked that a lot i remember that one that was good 
Or yeah. smoked Doppelbach. No one will ever buy a smoked Doppelbach. Nobody wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, I believe it. But there's just like so much going on yeah, there no, that if some like casual beer consumer just looks at that on a the menu, they're just gonna look at it like, what the hell? Yeah, we had like did you just put there twenty kegs for like <laughs> six months or eight months. That beer did not. Twenty sell. kegs for six months. <laughs> yeah, that's not a top seller. No. Distributor would be pissed if, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you just had that sitting there. So do you guys go through a distributor or do you self-distribute like out to bars and stuff? Uh, we do a little bit of both. Uh, okay. We work through Elite Distribution. Uh, I knew that, actually. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> my roommate works for Elite. No, my roommate works for Elite. So, nice. I, yeah, I've had some. He brings some samples. Never really any four noses. Uh, I get a lot of the other Elite brands. It's, it's lame. I'm like, bring home four noses and it doesn't happen. <laughs> Push them harder. But, <laughs> he's yeah, he's a he's like the downtown Denver okay. sales rep for Elite, so yeah, nice. So, what are some of the struggles that you guys are having right now with selling outside of your own facility? Because I think the reason that the, the bubble that happened with the COVID is very strange. Because the reason that smaller breweries were really starting to take off is because they were doing own premise and mm-hmm. they were selling everything on site, and you could literally just go from fermenter to to the bar. Um, but now that model doesn't seem to be working as well because nobody can consume on premise at least like they used to um so what are your like biggest challenges that you've had like so far other than the obvious of you have to have people distanced but how is it affecting distribution how is it affecting um just how people like experience the brand in the tap room and and whatnot sure uh you could probably talk a little bit about our production you know, cut, we cut back production a little bit in the very beginning yeah. because we wanted yeah. to keep people that, safe. That came in a little yeah. back and forth flow. Like, we're definitely going into, like, full steam ahead summer. Like, we're, we're barely keeping up with ourselves right now. But it took us a minute to figure out, like, you know, how long we're going to be closed down for in the front house, if we were going to close down for a minute, when to switch over to canning, like, more heavily. But, um, yeah, I mean, production's coming back pretty heavily. But, yeah, for a while there it was... It was nice to catch up on projects, but at the same yeah. time, it was a little unsettling yeah. to see empty tanks. Yeah. Was, it, was it a little bit more of, uh, you weren't really brewing less beer, it was just what you were packaging it in? Or was it literally less half beer? Half. I mean, then, yeah, we okay. cut back a little bit just because yeah. it was, you know, we wanted to, and you know, a few months ago, I'm talking like early April, we didn't really know uh, if it was safe to have people in the brewery at the same time and how we could separate everybody. So we were having... Know, one brewer would have to leave before the next one would come in and then packaging team was set up in like groups of two because we have to have two people on the line so we just wanted as few people anywhere close to each other as we could muster and that was just yeah cut totally. things back so we did that for a few weeks and then we started to work through different projects and ways that we thought we could separate each other and separate like front of house and back house uh before we felt confident ramping up our production as far as like the wholesale is concerned i mean you know being a distributing brewery and the fact that everybody's going to keep drinking beer and arguably during this more beer uh they were just drinking it in different ways so they were going to grocery stores liquor stores just not bars and restaurants as much did you guys stay open for to go at four noses during that time yep we stayed open the whole time for to go cool uh we we had some of our best days like we're based on to go sales because people were all about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's it probably up. record sales during the Great Prohibition of 2020 <laughs> yeah. that lasted yeah. all the two fucking hours. Four yeah. hours. That was the most violent two-hour shutdown ever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, people were going nuts. People yeah, how do people react in chaos? Not well. No, not as well it, at all. <laughs> as it turns out, my expectations God. weren't high, and they were still exceeded. So yeah. 
everybody was just like stocking up on things to numb themselves for the foreseeable <laughs> yeah. future. Yeah. It's like let's freak everybody out and then take their beer away. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's line up at the dispensary and line up at all the liquor stores because we don't know how long we're gonna have to tolerate this new reality. Yeah. However long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was an interesting thing where, like, after two hours, the lines were so long that the governor just had to be like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> oh, abort, abort. Oh, bad idea. I didn't think you guys like to get fucked up during a sad time so much. That's all I think we wanted to do. Yeah, I like it. the t-shirts that were going around. Yeah, Those are pretty never cool. forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I survived the Great survived. Prohibition. Yeah. It was like four fourteen to four fourteen, three p.m. to five p.m. or something, yeah. like that, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So before you guys started up Four Noses and before you, you you know got this new project rolling with Wild Provisions, like what's your guys' background? Like Tommy, you'd mentioned uh, you're from upstate New York as well. Uh, so wh- how'd you wind up in Colorado? Like, cause you guys, Four Noses is one of the most like reputable breweries like in the state. Like people know who you are. You guys sell a lot of volume. Um, so where, where, take me from like farm to table here, like in <laughs> terms you. of sure. like, where did this start and like, how do we wind up here for sure. both of you guys? Uh, well, I yeah, grew up in New York, came out to school in Denver in 2006. Uh, Which school? University of Denver. Okay. Nice. Go Roadrunners. (laughs) Roadrunners. That's not Metro State. Oh no, that's the Lynx. Yeah, the Lynx. You do not don't you do you not even know what college you went to? No, I don't. I went to like four colleges. You went to Metro State, didn't you? I graduated from CU Denver. Go Lynx. Yeah, but isn't the Metro State the Roadrunners? Yeah, same campus. Go CCD. I don't believe you know what college is. Go CCD. <laughs> so you went to see Denver. So, uh, I went to DU, D-U. University of Denver, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, moved back to New York after graduating. Fort Collins rules. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, went back to New York, worked in uh, corporate environment for a couple of years, and then uh, really wanted to get into brewing. That's where my dad taught me and my brother how to homebrew during that time. What kind of uh, corporate environment? Were so, you like Wolf of Wall Street doing lines on a desk like in the back in the back of office? Not so exciting. I was doing uh, like risk management for MasterCard. So actually, I did have some weird things that I did, but yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, I, we're just going to move right on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go on. Now, uh, we had to investigate uh, weird or, you know, not great uses of cards. So it was sometimes illegal stuff, but mostly just things that were Maybe not illegal in the country where they were happening, but illegal in the United so States. So Trump's taxes and Jeffrey Epstein's <laughs> property tax? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, just weirder stuff. That. It started with gambling and some like you know counterfeit goods and then went off into some weird other types of videos. We'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. hey. hey. That sounds right. exciting. I had a good friend that works for, uh, what was the photo one? That, that gave it? No, I know. I can't think of it. The, the, back in like the early 2000s, there was like the photo website for photos, but oh. photo bucket. Okay. Is that what it was called? I, Sounds I had a friend that worked there for a bit and he had to go to counseling from the shit that he saw. Like oh. the people were just uploading to their cloud. Yeah, like the cloud. Yeah. Like there is a lot of like child pornography. Why was he there. responsible oh, for no, looking at it? We didn't have to deal with it. Because he got like paid that. $14 an hour. We have a friend that used to, we also have a friend that used to work at a porn store and people would just like send them stuff to sell and he would have to watch. Oh, yeah, amateur stuff? The like their home movies? Yeah, well, just whatever people were, because back oh. that, at that point in time, they basically were home movies. I mean, oh, you're talking gosh. about VHS that people was put, were putting on there. It was yeah. Crawford. 
Oh, yeah. Remember that story? I mean, I'm sure Crawford was in some of those videos. (laughs) And they needed a stand-in. They have no idea who we're talking about. It's funny. We (laughs) promise. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. Uh, So you had a shady shady past. (laughs) One day of shady. It was was all for corporate. I know. Doing like risk management stuff. But it it was interesting, and I learned a lot. But, um, you know, really got into home brewing and uh, really wanted to pursue something like that. We wanted to go back to Colorado. so started working on what it would take to, to get into commercial brewing and realized it's not always the easiest uh, barrier to break. And so I went to school. I was fortunate enough to be able to go to UC Davis for their brewmaster's program. Oh, yeah. One of the best. Uh, so. Way to go, Colorado Springs. <laughs> <laughs> go Rams, anyway. California. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. Uh, but anyways, yeah, uh, did that and came back and worked at a brewery down south for a little bit. And then uh, we started formulating the business plan while I was in school and what, what it would look like and how we'd start everything up and what we're going to try and target. And yeah, then what brewery you know. were you working at? I worked at Hall uh, in Parker. Okay. Uh, they so that he was on a 20 barrel system. He built his own farm, our own barn. It was beautiful. He did it out of Beetle Kill. It was a really cool looking place. But I uh, kind of lost touch with them and have no idea what happened to them. Mm. I think they closed down. So, sure. Yeah, there's yeah. not, there's, I think there's like four breweries in Parker right now. Yeah. yeah. Was the barn kind of an inspiration for doing farmhouse-y kind of stuff later on down the road or was it something uh, else? It was, his style was a little different even though he was doing farmhouse and a lot of his beers were technically farmhouse beers because they were made in a farmhouse. They were more modern. Yeah, sure. Uh, so this came quite a bit later. Yeah. But yeah, and yeah, and here we kinda are. Kind of here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was like? What would you say for sour ales, or the wild ales and sours, um, and lagers like this? Like, do you have any uh, pretty clear inspirations for you wanted to have something like something that you wanted to model it after, or that you were like, man, if we could get something close to this, but our own way of doing it, that would be perfect. Sure. I mean, I think for the wild side, a lot of the breweries we take inspiration on, even though what we're doing is very different would be a lot of the ones in Belgium, like Cantillon or Dreyfontaine or Decam. Uh, and then as far as the lagers are concerned, I mean, you know, to the style it is, it's more like a Pilsner Yorkel. So uh, we're, we're trying to take a lot of the tradition, a lot of things learned in European brewing, uh, but with our own twist, uh, with our own style. I mean, we can't make a Lambic or we're not making, you know, that's not what we're focusing on here. Uh, but we like to take a lot of the lessons they've learned over four or 500 years and apply it to what we think is delicious. Yeah. What would you say is your twist on that? Like, so you're taking a traditional thing, like the lager, for example, like what would you say is the four noses kind of touch that separates it from like an old world tradition? Sure. I I think right now that uh, we're still working on exactly what that means and what that identity is. So we're trying to get as close to the tradition as we can and figure out what we like about it and what we don't. I also think a lot of parts of our process are taking some examples and a lot of what Brandon's uh, you know, hypothesis on this lager is, is like, well, if we try and bring it back to what it originally was before we had all this other equipment, how could we still make it you know, to the quality level and beyond that of you know, what we're doing and other, what other people are doing with this style? Yeah. So with the cold break separation, I mean, that's a pretty inefficient way to, to clarify a beer. <laughs> yeah. But we're finding that it has a lot of other like, flavor components, a lot of other things that are valuable. So it's trying to, trying to find value and old techniques that maybe uh, have been kind of passed by because they're just not as yeah, you know, I really, anymore. I really like that answer. Yeah. Like that's, there's, we, you know, we talked to a lot of people and at times it's like, you know, what is it about uh, your, your brewing that you really admire? And they're like, well, you know, take for example, our you know, locker or a Pilsner or whatever. Mm. This is 
exactly what it is and we nailed it and it's ready and I feel like there's always room to improve no matter what that's like like in, in terms of like writing comedy it's like oh my joke's good but couldn't it be better mm-hmm. and so it's like not accepting good as good enough is awesome I love that answer Thank yeah, you. like the spawn of a new bit or a new joke is essentially you try something out and it gets some kind of a reaction, and then it's, so that means it's good to start, and then but you're not done with it at that point. That you're going to continue to yeah. work on it, and then until it takes its final form. But I appreciate the fact that you guys are using techniques and potentially ingredients that are deemed like less efficient to see what they could do, sure. right? To see what like for flavor profiles and mouthfeel and like all that kind of stuff. Because most of the time people have, you know, they've got um, debts to pay off, they've got max capacity to run with, and they've got to get stuff out the door. They don't have time to kind of fuck around with inefficient processes, quote unquote, just to see what kind of flavors that we can drive to make a superior product. Um, how often do you feel like you guys do that? You know, where you're just like, hey, this might not be the most efficient way to do it, but we love the way that it turns out. So I, I would say the big, biggest example of that is what we did with our Perfect Drift Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to your point earlier, I mean, you know, about damn time is our best seller. It yeah. makes up about 45% of our volume. And we've adjusted that recipe recently and no less than 25 times in its lifetime. So we're yeah. constantly playing yeah. with it. And it may be small changes that most people would never notice. It might be, you know, we're taking a quarter pound of hops out at this point and moving, you know, two, two pounds more hops at the end because we want a little more of that aroma, but we want a little less of that harsh bitterness. Like it's always this constant yeah. flux and balance. Totally. Um, and, but Perfect Drift, we were playing around with decoction before this project. And decoction is an old world technique where uh, you're basically, the, the malt they were purchasing was a little bit under modified, so they were going through a decoction technique, which would bring the uh, mash to different temperatures so that you'd get, you'd really get the ideal enzymatic reactions during that time mm-hmm. uh, or during that temperature. Uh, it's not really as valuable anymore because the malt is so well modified. You can mash in at one temperature and you get all the conversion you need. Uh, but there are some other components to decoction other than just making the beer ferment down. You get a little bit more melanoidin, so you get a little bit more you know, potential flavors, some better proteins out of it. And we like the way that that was impacting some of the other beers we were experimenting with. Now, our system is not meant for decoction. We had to drill a hole in the side of our mash tun to do it. Who, had, who drilled the hole? Uh, dairy, dairy engineer. engineer. <laughs> <laughs> came, a couple guys came by and said, you want to put a hole right there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a four inch hole like that's set up for, yeah. It's, it's got to be kind of nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to bump into it. <laughs> Especially when there's, what, like 3,000 pounds yeah. of 170 degree oatmeal. Have you guys there? had some like serious like debacles like that where a whole like fermenter just like spills out onto the floor or anything? Not in the time that I've been there. <laughs> I don't <Sorry>. know. <laughs> Let's go tip over one of these scooters. <laughs> Good luck, they're full. Uh, no, I, um, no, we have, we've had a couple, we've had a couple of uh, gushers. You know, you pour, or you dry hop sure. a tank, and five minutes later, there's just a oh, spout yeah. of liquid flying out the top, and yeah. it's uncontrollable. And the only thing you can do is stand there and look down and realize yeah. that it's 30 minutes of cleaning ahead of you, oh, God. at least. <laughs> at least 30, yeah, totally. Yeah, one so. of those moments where you can't even really be mad. You're just looking at it, and you're like, ugh. God. Yeah. Like anyone, that. anyone who I would say any brewery that regularly dry hops beers has at least encountered that once. Yeah. Of course. And, I mean, yeah. and, and if you if it's only once, good job because they probably made measures after the first time they did it that it will never happen again. <laughs> but sometimes it can be unpredictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen some uh, some like videos of that happening, and it's like just the most defeating feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
Yeah, there's no but stopping it. Just watching yeah. it, no <laughs> stopping uh, it. There have been some videos on like Worst Beer Blog and stuff like that that come up, and you're just like, and that's where that brewer lost his whole soul and entire yeah. willingness uh, to see it escaping his body. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we call in the comedy industry as bombing. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, true. Andrew, how are you? What's your what's your background a little bit, and kind of what brought you here? And oh. so I worked in a skate shop for like eight years and oh, yeah. then uh decided that that wasn't cutting it for me anymore <laughs> and you then, in a uh, skate shop here or somewhere else uh here William. um bc surf and sport oh sick so i was there forever and i was a zoomies dude bro sick man things that we think are cool <laughs> but we know don't pay the bills welcome to stand-up comedy <laughs> so working in a stand-up <laughs> so working working stand-up in a skate shop are very similar so i spent a really long time selling skateboards and snowboards and yeah one day i actually needed to pay rent so i started working in industrial pumps as a technician like field tech and that got me into as I, while I was getting into home brewing, I was getting into industrial pumps and working in that field, and I was you know able to crazy work on flow systems. Industrial pumps is actually my favorite half-pipe trick. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite Linkin Park song. Okay. <laughs> so, it but it, it got me song. into like... <laughs> it, it got me into like understanding flow systems, like, heavy, like bigger scale, like understanding how a brewery works. And um, then I started at Prost um, on their canning line one day. Um, just got an in from a, you know, I know somebody who knows somebody and got a part-time job doing that and worked there for about almost three years. Uh, worked my way up to be a brewer there in which we talk about decoction brewing. Every beer they made there was de- decocted and um, really traditional German uh, recipes and processes there. And uh, then one there day... Now he's cracking yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> one day started off, yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Got an in at uh, Four Noses for an interview, and it was just good timing. Like, I was ready for something new to expand my beer knowledge, too, because at that point it was very straightforward German lager yeah. and a couple German ales. But other than that, yeah, it was pretty pretty limited there, but I had a great time, and I got my feet there for sure. But Which I pros learned a lot. Where you at? Uh, Denver. Denver? Yeah. yeah. I was there while we we're there opening the Fort Collins one. Gotcha. And then, uh, yeah. How much. Uh, would you say that you like what you learned at Prost about their German like brewing techniques and just working with those ingredients? Did you be able, were you able to bring here to work on the lagers that you guys are making at Wild Provisions and stuff you guys are doing at Four Noses? Um, and then what what's your contribution? You know, what's the stuff you learned like from somebody else, and then how are you like making a little bit of a twist on it yourself to make it like your own? Sure. Um... I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that traditional stuff really stuck with me in the sense that I, my mind tries to oversimplify recipes in a way. Now, I like to let certain ingredients kind of shine on their own instead of mashing up too much, because um, then you kind of lose. But then you've got stuff like this, where you know it's literally mashup of too, like too much in a good way. Yeah. But um, pineapple, orange, lactose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all the grains, but, all the hops. But I, I don't know. I've, I've always, I've always wanted to like try and. Uh, chase the idea of like letting a certain processes or single ingredients kind of shine and I'm a really big a fan of like traditional styles so I, I don't know I think for the most part I've we've developed we've worked on and developed like moving around some like he said de- developing the Pilsner alterations and uh, recently Oktoberfest uh, stuff like that yeah I mean it's like I, I try to keep it keep it simple yeah and uh that can be a good thing, but to a point, because you don't want to make just simple beers. 
but uh, that's where I've also it's where I've grown into adapting this these ideas and like learning how to use more ingredients more efficiently. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between being uh, traditional and just being boring. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, there's a very totally. big difference between yeah. those two things. Absolutely. So a lot of breweries they might make uh, ten different beers or twelve different beers, but they all kind of taste the same, and none of them really have any thing that stands out about them right but they're like yeah i guess this is a brown like i guess this is an ipa i guess this is a kettle sour right but you, you can still do something traditional like very well um, yeah it's, it's, it's exemplary for the style but then also it's profound in a way that it has like all the things that you're looking for so and i i think both of the beers that you guys brought here today are definitely that they're very sure. good awesome very cool. good beers so tell us a little bit about um Anything you guys have going on that you want to like let people know about? You know, obviously the new spot. Uh, what's going on over here? Four noses. What you guys got going on for canning? So that way they can pick up some of your beer and come by uh, after they hear the episode. Well, I mean, Wild Provisions. I'll start with that because we're here and we're talking about some of those beers. Yeah. We're really excited that we just released these two cans: uh, the Premium Pale Lager and the Czech Dark Lager. Uh, we have a bunch more things in the pipeline on the wild side and sour side, so that's exciting. And we'll we'll start announcing those as soon as. Can you tease anything? Ready. Uh, wild and sour. Okay. <laughs> no, the the next one that I think we're pretty excited about is an unfruited uh, Mets and Bounds, which is one of the uh, core lines that we have. The previous one we did was with uh, Red Globe Peach. Uh, this is an unfruited version of that, so it really lets the yeast kind of do the talking cool. and a little bit of the barrel component as well. Awesome. Uh, so that's the fun stuff we have at Wild Provisions, and you know, a couple new loggers coming down the pipeline here as well, including nice. a Polo Tamave, which is like a what we're going to consider our version of a Oktoberfest. So like a Czechtoberfest, I suppose. I don't know. Okay. Is it a little <laughs> bit more like fest beer style, a little more bars and style? Like how would you define it? Uh, we'll find out. I mean, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean it's geared a little more towards, uh, towards a fest beer, I think, but, um, you know, it's a, a new style for us to play with this system and this, uh, you know, it's triple decoction. It's going through the same cool ship. It's going through the open fermentation, yeah. uh, horizontal conditioning. So yeah, I think I'm pretty, I don't know if I could categorize it. No, that's cool. So, I, mean, that, I apologize <laughs> no, for interjecting, but enough. like, how exciting is it for you guys? Is it like kind of like a kid again kind of thing when you have all this new equipment to kind of play with and just a totally different way of thinking of your brewing process instead of being a little bit more, I don't want to say traditional, but just a little bit more commercial brewery where you've got standard stainless and uh, just filling tanks with stuff that's like you've been doing it for noses for a minute. Like having all these new toys to play with, is that just like exhilarating for you guys? It, it's bringing it back to the you yeah. say, we were saying like you're yeah. just, we're kind of stripping it down to these traditional techniques like yeah it allows you to take a step back and kind of breathe a little bit and kind of re-understand what this is what is actually going on here mm -hmm. instead of just yeah filling yeah. like like putting in the kettle cooling it down adding yeast and making beer and stainless after stainless kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean it's it's great to develop those those standards and uh the repeatability of these beers for sure but um yeah to, to kind of flip your mindset on it is really nice yeah it gives us i mean i think it's nice to have a bunch of different uh you know things going on at the same time balls yeah. in the air if you will uh and this definitely gives us that to play with but we also you know we like to take a lot of the techniques we learn about here and learn through this process and bring them back to four noses as well uh, we just installed or are in the process of installing hopefully by the end of this week because it's getting filled next week uh oh no a uh, a fooder 
uh, but it's a lager fooder. So we're going to do, so the fooders or the lagers we're doing here are not fooder lagers. Uh, they're conditioned in stainless. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to start doing some fooder lagers at Four Noses. Cool. So we're going to use a little bit of that technique there as nice. well. I love that. Um, and then we, we have these four tanks they're the smallest tanks we have at Four Noses uh, and a small pilot system. So even though we're doing a lot of technique driven and process driven stuff here, we're constantly playing around there too. So this gives us, you know, one way we work on process, we work on different things here and we play around with things that are much longer to fruition. So, you know, these lagers take 50 days and these wild beers take up to two years. For noses, it's nice we get to experiment with things that'll turn around in two, three months sure. pretty regularly, and yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, the R and D is invaluable on that. Yeah, so it's I, I like the idea of having both kind of operating in this really aggressive way simultaneously. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of fun. Yeah, essentially, it gives us a twenty barrel and a two barrel pilot system. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right, sure. scale it up. <laughs> that go. worked times ten. So. Yeah. The new location is beautiful. The beers are fantastic. Yep. Um, anything on the more on the Four Noses side that you want to talk about? Just for any events you got going on or releases? Yeah, I mean we you know we get into that type of year time of year where we're starting to think about pumpkin coming down. Yeah. The line soon. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's hundred degrees. Ah, I know. First time. pumpkin beers. <laughs> first time on the podcast. We we will never release a pumpkin beer before September first, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a sound bite two years uh, later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That, that has been been a firm commitment. May, I think for six years now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did move it up from September 15th to September 1st about three years ago, so I'll give you that, but, right. you know. I, I mean, <laughs> I know, creep. I know it's a trend. I love pumpkin beers. I really do. Yeah. I'm a basic bitch. I'm not, no, I'm not even saying that. I'm not saying anti-pumpkin beer. It's the whole, uh, I mean, a know, lot of people are. It's oh, like get, releasing I, it in July. I get their all. mentality. Well, yeah, it's also too soon, but. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so your pumpkin beer's coming up. But we have to, you know, we have to think about it now because September 1st isn't that far away, which okay. is terrifying to think about. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Oktoberfest kind of coming a little sooner than that. We're going to do a, a different version this year. That's what we're putting in that fooder lager, or in, in that lager fooder. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. So that would be pretty fun. Are you guys doing, I know uh, GABF's doing like some online stuff. Are you guys doing anything for that? I don't know how, I don't know how it works to be honest this I, year. I don't either. I'm not sure yet. I, That's I've read a blurb grade. on it, but I don't know if anything's concrete yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sounds it might like be, it may be, but. Themselves yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're not like, as worried about GABF. <laughs> No. I don't think anybody's worried. I, I just know that it's a thing. And yeah, for sure. I think the, the big thing for all of us is like the Brewers Association is so important and so is the Colorado Brewers Guild, but all that, all those organizations are meant to keep us in business and doing what we love to do. Uh, so however we can support them, we will. It's, you know, whatever that looks like is what it is. We all have to deal with different circumstances this year. Granted, yeah. I, I've gone to enough GABFs. It definitely gets a little tiring drinking around. 30,000 people four days in a row, but... You know, I've never actually been to GABF, and I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard enough stories. I've been to enough beer festivals that, like, GABF just seems like I would be agoraphobic. It's too many people for me, and long lines, and... After all this, though, I might be dying to go back. Just yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. Be around a crowd. It only yeah. takes 10 minutes for you to be like, all right, I'm over. Yeah, I'm yeah. over. <laughs> but it was nice for a few minutes. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, people can go to either spot and, and consume on-premise, socially distanced, right? Yep. Um, and they can do to-go stuff at every place, Absolutely. at each place. Yeah. Sorry. Um, cool. Uh, Steve, anything you want to plug or whatnot before we get out of here? Uh, Tap live shows, Flight Co. August, no, July 29th and Halfpenny, August 1st. And then as of right now, we've got landlocked every 
third every, Thursday, every, right? Every third every, Friday. Every third Friday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Flyco's every other week, so mm. a couple times through August, September. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, after September, that's probably not going to be live shows until March uh, 2021. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have to bring your mittens and a winter coat. But check out all the social media stuff just to see stuff about the podcast, new episodes, and shows that we have coming up. Oh, yeah. We just also launched a new thing of uh, comedians from across the country reviewing beer. That's very fun. So yeah. check that out on our Instagram. Nancy Norton did the first one. She knows nothing about beer, and it's, it's hysterical. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Thank you guys so much, and uh, catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>